Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Magic Music is one of the most fondly remembered bands of the Boulder Revolution, living in a makeshift camp in the mountains in the early 1970s. They were they would delight local residents and university students with their original songs, acoustic instruments, and light harmonies. Their growing popularity brought them to the brink of success more than once. Unfortunately, they never signed a record deal and eventually broke up in 1975. Four decades later, one of their greatest fans, Boulder alum, and acclaimed director, executive producer, and writer, Lee Aronson, uh, tracked them down, tracked down the original members of Magic Music with a dream in his heart, just wanted to see them play again, and we're going to leave it there. The film is called 40 Years in the Making, the Magic Music Movie. Lee Aronson, welcome to Film School. Hi. Glad to be here. Thank you. Well, uh, you're obviously a fan of, the, of uh, Magic Music. Tell me where do you were introduced to them, how you got to know their music? Well, uh, back in 1972, um, I was a student at the University of Colorado in Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, they used to call the Berkeley of the Midwest because <laughs> it was like a hippie mecca. Yeah. There was a group of uh, musicians, real hippies, who lived up in the mountains, and they'd come down and they'd play uh, on campus on the lawn between, cam- uh, between classes, and they'd pass the hat. And they, they just sounded beautiful. They, they had original music. They played tablas, flute, mandolin, guitar, uh, all acoustic, original songs, beautiful harmonies. I just became an immediate fan of theirs. They disappeared after a couple of years, never heard from them again. They never made an album. Uh, they just kind of disappeared. But these songs stayed in my head. Mm-hmm for years and years and years, until uh, finally after I retired from television, I decided to answer a question that had been in my head for a long time, which is, whatever happened to Magic Music? Before we get into the sort of process of making the film, let's back up and sort of describe the time, because for a lot of people, the this era is in history books, and it's not exactly something that a lot of uh, our our listeners will be familiar with, but it was a time, as you described, as sort of the hippie era, a lot of political activism at the time mm-hmm. a lot of people very much involved in believing that they could change the world is that right. a, is that a fair it, it very much is and also uh we had a um we had a lot of stuff going on that we thought was horrible yeah. and at the time seemed like it might never end it, it's it's funny that life has gotten to the point where you could be nostalgic for the Watergate era, but today I am. <laughs> I I hear you. And, and really, it did feel like we had some skin in the game at that point. And for a lot of us, uh, the, the specter of being drafted and going to fight in a war that virtually no one with any insight into the world would, would have thought was a good idea. So that we there was a real sense of having skin in the game, but also a, a, a relatively speaking naive, not totally, I think it was a somewhat naive view that we could, in fact, change the world in ways that would have altered the course of history. Yeah. 
It seemed like anything was possible. Anything was possible. Well, let's get to the sort of the making of the film. Uh, what was your, sort of the first, once you decided, I want to find out what's happened to these guys, reconnect with them, uh, how did that go? How, what was that sort of that journey for you in, in, uh, in getting back in touch with uh, the guys? Well, I, I tried a couple of times using, you know, using the Internet once the Internet became a thing. You know, and I would type in magic music, and I would get a list of singing musicians, you know. <laughs> uh, and at, at, at one point, I guess I typed in magic music Boulder, and I got an article about a guy named Chris Daniels, who has a band called Chris Daniels and the Kings, uh, headquartered in Denver. And in the article, it mentioned that one of the bands that Chris had been a member of in his youth was Magic Music. So uh, that was my first lead. I got in touch with Chris and found out a little about the backstory of, you know, what the band had been up to, what happened to them, uh, you know, who was alive, who was still, you know, making music. We just started an email correspondence for a couple of years. After I retired from television, the idea occurred to me to actually try and tell the magic music story. Was there a sort of a moment, sort of a light went on when you said this, even though this has been, this was uh, an idea, desire of yours, was there a moment in your conversations with Chris or somewhere along this line where you said, you know, I think this could happen. I think I could make this actually come together. Well, I, I, I never said, I think I can, but I, I did, there was a moment when I said, uh, I, I really, this is something I could do, I could try to do. Mm. Uh, and I, happened, I was in New Zealand at the time. Chris had posted a YouTube video with one of the band's old songs, Colorado Rockies. And I hadn't known up until that point that any old tracks existed. He put a lot of old photographs of the band to this music. And I looked at it and I said, this could be a documentary film. I, I, I probably will never do it, but it, it could be a documentary film. And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, why don't I try and do it? I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with the director of a new documentary out. It's coming out today on um, August 3rd. And look for it in theaters as well as you can go to the website, yeah, magicmusicmovie.com, to find out more yeah. about the film and where it's screening. There are, there's a whole bunch of great stories, individual stories of the, of the members of the band, their, their family, their, the trajectory of their life. And I'm not going to talk a lot about it except to say that these are interesting people. They're uh, engaging people. They're people that in watching the film you want to see do well. You want to see their life go uh, in the right direction because they're all very – open people and they and they they, do, they express a lot of uh, the emotion that was tied up in making a band i don't think there's ever been a, a band that stayed together for more than a few months where there weren't a lot of ethos and pathos going on in in those in those stories but this one is particularly engaging and truly a remarkable trajectory of their lives in this film what was it like for you as a fan as somebody who assumed that maybe you would never see them or hear hear them again what was that like when you started to reconnect and actually meet these guys in in person it was really it was an adventure and it, it was a little it was a little jarring because you know i remembered them one way you know i remembered them as 20 year olds and and here i'm meeting a bunch of you know 60 somethings that 
didn't know me from Adam, actually. You know, I had just been a fan. Mm-hmm. But I'd had this image of them when I was a kid, when I was a student. They were just the coolest thing in the world to me. And I thought they were just living this life of, you know, smoking dope and, and <laughs> making love to beautiful women every night and, you know, just living in school buses and teepees and just having a ball. And, you know, it, of course, that wasn't the reality at all. Uh, there is part of it, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, it was learning learning that, you know, these romantic uh romantic visions I had were just that. They were romantic, and they, they didn't comport with the reality of, you know, almost freezing to death in El Dorado Canyon when you're living in a school bus. <laughs> Snowing in the middle of the winter and having it yeah. snow on inside the bus at one point. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it's a it's a mystery, in or I'm not giving away a lot in telling that, talking about how they never... They didn't make an album. Uh, they had no, a lot. They didn't, and if they had made an album, I probably wouldn't have ever had to make the film. <laughs> well, there you go. There you because, go. <laughs> you know, the, one of the primary motivations for making the film was I wanted to hear the music again. Yeah, yeah, but but those stories are part of the film in, in terms of what happened with them. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. So it, there's just a lot of very intriguing and interesting storylines, and and like I said, these people are are uh, really um, wonderful subjects for it. And the film is something that as you watch it, as you get to know them, uh, I will say by the end of the film, it's it's such a heartwarming film. And that's the thing that I came away watching it, was that I felt very much just, I felt good. <laughs> I felt good having watched the film. And I and I, I think there's just a, a, a lot of, in that you see them, the lives they lived, and they were able to put aside some of their differences that were were uh, for some more than others, and uh, and come together and and be able to make music. Which at the end of the day, that that is what this is about. This is a movie about a band, about the music, but it's about friendship. It's about their how they really were, um, you know, when they weren't uh, strumming their guitars or or uh, playing the flute. So, isn't that that a fair fair statement on? Yeah, I, I think um, one of the, the the song that opens the movie is a song called Colorado Rockies, and there's a lyric in that song which says they're just looking to be found. Yes, and I think that sums up the the problem that I think all human beings have is we're all looking for connection. It's hard to find, and when you do find it, you try and hold on to it because it's very precious. With, with magic music, um, you have a group of people who manage to hold on to connections for decades. Uh, and that, that, to me, was just amazing and, and extremely heartwarming to find out that after so many years, so many of them uh, were still connected to each other. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Lee Aronson. He's the director of the film, 40 Years in the Making, the magic music movie. Um, Lee is also known for as creator and writer for the hit series, hit comedy, Two and a Half Men, as well as the executive producer and writer on The Big Bang Theory, as well as a a history in television that is is a knockout, including Murphy Brown, Sybil. You wrote for The Love Boat, I I believe, and Grace. uh, That was my first writing job was The Love Boat, yeah. Well, you've been in television for for a, a while. And yeah. uh, this is your first feature documentary. 
is is the, in terms of your sort of the mindset or the preparation or just the the process of there is a difference obviously but i'm just curious what your take on now that you've done both what what as as a lot of filmmakers listen to film school radio so is there any advice anything about that sort of how that plays itself out in in be, between those two um art forms well the, the experience is very very different in 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 my television career, it's all about pleasing a lot of different people. You've got to please the network. You've got to please the studio. You've got to please the star. You've got to get hired. You've got to get rehired. A lot of the business runs on fear. You know, people worried about losing their jobs. Yeah. Uh, people feeling like they have to put their creative stamp on something, you know, or else there's no reason for them to have their job. It's a business of compromises all along the line, and it can be a little soul-sucking. The experience of going out and making a small independent film yourself is quite different in that, you know, you don't have to answer to anybody. You can follow a vision, and the downside is you're never gonna, probably going to make a dime off of it. <laughs> but it's, it's a wonderful experience, and I encourage everybody to do it if they can. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great, and I, I absolutely I I, uh, I hear that all the time from uh, independent filmmakers who come on, especially with documentaries. They know they're not going to get rich off of this, but these are passion projects, and that's certainly what uh, this film feels like—a passion project, uh, so a, a labor of love. And you're you're a good guide. You're you're part of the the film in the sense you introduce us to the band, and and then we and sort of your journey. This is really. It's about the man, but I'll, there's a part of this film that is about your journey and and uh, and rediscovering the uh, the the value and the the love of this music that you you were so uh, such a fan of back in the at that time. So it's a uh, yeah. So like I said, it's a very heartwarming film. The film is in theaters today, August third. Look for it. Thank you so much for 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 spending time with us today on on Film School. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. The, the film is 40 Years in the Making, the Magic Music Movie. We've been speaking with the director, Lee Aronson. Thanks, Lee. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.